Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 173. Thanks for taking the time to join me on this episode. Uh, We're continuing in reading from one of my books titled Understanding Biblical End Times. And so we will jump back in. This will be part four, picking up back on page 33. And I pray this is a blessing. After Daniel is praying for the sins of his people and himself, Gabriel visits him to give him understanding regarding his pleas for mercy toward Israel and their desolations. Gabriel tells him in Daniel 9:24-27 by saying, quote, "70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off, and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. End quote. As we established earlier from Leviticus 25, verse 8, that these are, quote, weeks of years. Hence, when Gabriel tells Daniel 70 weeks, that is 70 weeks of years, or 70 times 7 years, or 490 years in total. Establishing this total will help us understand what this text is truly saying. This understanding will help us to discover where we have deviated from sound teaching for so many years. So let's establish some year totals. Seventy weeks is equal to 490 years. 62 weeks is equal to 434 years. 
seven weeks is 49 years. The final week is seven years. Since that establishes some of our year totals, we want next to establish the spans of these times. Keep in mind that as I provide dates, these dates are highly debated by differing scholars. Still, since these dates are scholarly options, and they work for how I understand the text, these are the ones I use and believe to be true. The first seven weeks, or 49 years, begins around 457 B.C., when Israel is freed from its 70-year captivity from Babylon as they undertake to rebuild Jerusalem. This task was completed around 408 B.C. The next 62 weeks, or 434 years, are awaiting Messiah with a city built but in troubled times. This progression of years takes us up to around 26 to 27 AD. This perspective is where we see the biggest diversion in thought around this revelation Gabriel reveals to Daniel. I believe this is continuous linear time rather than a parenthesis, pause, gap, or unreckoned time, which bears zero evidence in Scripture. In Daniel 9, verse 27, it says, quote, And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing, end quote. The word Messiah means anointed one. Jesus emptied himself of every right of being God himself. This final week, or seven years, contains the period in which the ministry of Jesus began and the apostolic message of the gospel began its way across the world. The following verse that many determine to be speaking of the embodied Antichrist, I view to speak of Jesus and the work he obtained through his cross and resurrection. The scripture in Daniel 9 verse 27 says, quote, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. End quote. During the middle of the final seven years, or last week, Jesus would be placed upon a cross. Sacrifice and offering would be ceased because he became the final and ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God. I believe this perspective is strengthened because of the revelation that Gabriel introduced in Daniel 9, verse 24, 
which says, quote, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place or one, end quote. The accomplishment of this list is done only through the sacrifice of what Jesus finished. To put an end to sin, bring in everlasting righteousness, and seal or conclude both vision and profit are deeds only the Messiah can accomplish. Gabriel said explicitly, without a pause or gap, that it would occur within 70 weeks, 490 years. I think seeing this perspective keeps the finished work of Christ central to the storyline and does not make us, the church, the central story. We are the byproduct of Christ's love and mercy. Rather than making the Antichrist the spotlight of the story, I choose to make Jesus the rightful focus, central to the stage set by God. I've shared and believed the opposing view my whole life. It wasn't until God began to unpack the new perspective to me, separate for man's influence that I began to learn that many others share in this thinking. I believe it to be most true to biblical purity. After shedding some light on Daniel 9, we will go back to Matthew 24:15 through 20, which says, quote, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, Standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. End quote. It is important to realize that because of the words of Jesus prophetically to this generation, Josephus notes that many Jesus-believing Jews heeded the warning of Jesus. Their lives were spared because they fled as prescribed to neighboring safe places before the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in A.D. 70. They took his words as literal and not as a post-apocalyptic future-only event that didn't apply to them. Reading on, Jesus continues and says in Matthew 24, 21 through 22, quote, For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. End quote. Verse 
This portion of Scripture is important because Jesus says during those days there will be tribulation like the world has not seen nor will it ever see again. This reality changes our current rapture doctrine, which assigns this great tribulation to the future spoken in Matthew 24, when in fact it deals with historic time in the past that has already occurred. Jesus spends the next few verses explaining that no one will have to be told that Christ has come the second time. In Matthew 24, 23 through 27, Jesus says, quote, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus gives this very cryptic last statement in verse 28, which says, quote, Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. End quote. We see a similar passage in Luke 17, 34 through 37, with some slight additional information. It reads, quote, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. End quote. This last verse in Luke reads identical to Matthew twenty four twenty eight, which says, Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. With the added clarity in Luke that the disciples have asked Jesus, where? Notice in the passage that Jesus is telling them in Luke that two will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. When the disciples ask the question of where, they are asking, where will the taken go? If half are taken and half remain, there is no need to ask where the remaining will be, for that would be obvious. They will remain where they are, which is in bed, at the grinder, and in the field. The where question must apply to the taken. They are effectively asking Jesus where they are taken to. 
This next part challenges the mindset of the end times perspective on current rapture doctrine. It is traditionally taught that God raptures his church out at some point before his second coming. In this passage, which appears in Matthew and Luke, Jesus is responding by clarifying where the taken are taken. Some additional clarifying texts for clues appear in Luke 17, 26-30, which reads, quote, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot. They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. End quote. We see this same analogy described out in Matthew 24. 37 through 39. Both analogies between the days of Noah and the days of Lot illustrate the sudden, definite, and without repentance finality of God's judgment on the lost. Noah's family was kept on the earth, as was Lot's. The righteous were saved from destruction, but they remained on the earth in the loving care of the Lord. Recall the parable of the wheat and tares. The tares are gathered up first. Do you see what this suggests? Contrary to popular rapture doctrine, these scriptures tell us that the righteous are preserved at the coming of the Lord. But the unrighteous are destroyed. They are taken. Now back to our verse in Luke 17, 37 and Matthew 24, 28, which says, Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Keeping all the context intact, this tells us that those taken are the destroyed unrighteous who become food for the vultures. This perspective is not a new concept. In Revelation 19, 17 through 18, and also verse 21, it says, quote, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. End quote. Additionally, Old Testament language captures this same reality in Ezekiel 39, 4, and also 17 through 20. Through 20 it says, 
You shall fall on the mountain, O Israel, you and all your hordes and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to the birds of every sort and to all beasts of the field. Assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. A great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel, and you shall eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of he-goats, of bulls, all of them fat beasts of Bashan. And you shall eat fat till you are filled, and drink blood till you are drunk, at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. And you shall be filled at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all kinds of warriors, declares the Lord God. End quote. This is where we'll end our reading in this part of Understanding Biblical End Times. We will pick back up in the next episode on page 43. Thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. We will see you on the next one. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.